my friends all told me, don't invest in movies. Movies always lose money, they said, especially for investors. But the reality of that statement is just not true. Look at the average box office for a movie. Have you seen the dollar amounts on those things? I just saw one the other day where it made over $1 billion. I used to own a gardening store. You will never see those kinds of dollar totals in gardening. I mean $1 billion. How can something that makes $1 billion not make money? Needless to say, I ignored my friends and invested. And because of my investment, I got to do things. Got privileges, you know. I got to host parties for the stars of the film and for other investors. I got to have my car wrecked for a chase scene. I got to have a love scene shot on my couch. It was amazing. Nevertheless, it was July 4th and this this planetarium or or observation tower or what what was it again? Griffith Park Observatory? Sorry, speak up. Observatory? Yes, observatory. That's it. This observatory was being shut down for my movie. Or not my movie, but the movie I invested in. And I was going to go there as a guest of honor on the set. I even had a car pick me up. It was this fancy car where I could track its location on my phone. And if I didn't like it, I could request another fancy car. So, I went through like seven or eight cars until I got the one I wanted. And the driver took me to the observatory. But the problem was that the observatory was on a giant hill, almost a mountain. And the line to get up to the top of the hill was very long. It was a line of cars stretching all the way from the very bottom to the top of the hill. I guess word had spread about my movie. So, I told the driver to wait for me because I was going to walk up. You were going to walk up to Griffith Observatory on a 100-plus degree day on July 4th? Huh? I can't hear you. I am going to need you to speak up. You were going to hike up to the observatory on a hot day? Yes. What's wrong with that? Just so listeners know, it was forecast to be 103 degrees Fahrenheit that day, and it had not rained since January. It just seems like a risky decision. I mean, you are quite 
you're you're you are very advanced in age. That is just horse. I am 81 years young, you jackass. I eat reporters like you for breakfast. I am sorry, I did not mean to offend you. Anyway, where was I? You ageist bastard. Right. So, I embarked on a trail to take me to the observatory at the top. To my movie. I don't remember, like, what I heard. I think it was, like, the night before. I mean, the director and I were dating, which, by the way, is not why I got the lead. I won that part fair and square. I had to audition for it and everything. Anyway, I mean, originally, like, that scene was supposed to take place in an office. But then suddenly the location changed to Griffith Observatory under a bunch of fireworks. And because we were dating and I was, like, living with him in his RV, we would just drive the RV to wherever we were shooting each day and meet the rest of the group. So on that day, we, like, pulled up the RV to the entrance there off of Los Feliz where that bear statue is and got there. And, like, the place was packed. I mean, I have been to shopping centers on Black Friday that were less crowded. So, oh. O was Sarah's nickname for O. Micron, the director of the film. O just starts freaking out because, like, our location, it was at the top. That's where we were supposed to shoot, at the top of the hill. But the line of cars coming down was probably, like, 10 miles long or something. And the crew, the crew, they just start calling his cell phone and stuff, and they're all freaking out and everything. And, of course, we got into a fight. Because, like, this is my big day, my big scene. I mean, this is why I took the project. Not to mention, now I was going to act it out on this grand stage under fireworks and everything. But anyway, so we decided to have everybody just leave their cars wherever they were and walk up the road. You know, just walk up and catch the RV. I mean, that's how slow the traffic was moving. That way, we could at least, like, I don't know, all be together and drive up, up there together. But anyway, so, like, a few hours later, it's 5 p.m. And we're only halfway up. And we got, like, 15 people packed into this RV. I mean, now it was just as crowded in the RV as it was in the rest of the park. And suddenly, the AC goes out. I mean, it's like a million degrees outside, and the AC stopped working. So people, people started getting really ticked. And at this point, oh, just totally flips out. He spins the RV around and just parks it across the road. I mean, this is a two-lane road, one lane going up and one lane going down. And he parks all the way across it and just yells, F*** it, everybody out. And he makes us all get out and take gear. We're taking gear out, and now we're supposed to carry this gear up the hill the rest of the way. Can you believe that? I'm supposed to do a scene, and now I have to carry sandbags and stuff in 100-degree weather up a f***ing mountain road? Anyway, I was like, 
What about the RV? What about our personal stuff? He didn't care. He just said, leave it. And I was so ticked at that point, I didn't care. I literally just took the keys with me and left it there. And people, oh, people on the road behind us and coming down just started yelling at us. I mean, they were totally ticked. I don't blame them. Could you imagine Black Friday shopping and someone just traps you permanently in one aisle? That would suck. I'm Stalin's cousin, and he, he actually goes by a different name now. Oh, yeah? What's he calling himself these days? Omicron. Oh, what? Omicron. Well, I just call him Stalin. Sorry. G- please, please, go ahead. I had just gotten back. I had just gotten out of jail back east and come to L.A. because it seemed like a good next move. And I get this call from Stalin. Excuse me. And I get this call from Stalin. He said he had just fired someone the night before and needed someone to fill in. I think I was officially listed as an intern, which was cool, because I had never worked on a movie before, but I was like, yeah, I got nothing better to do. So I showed up. Can I ask you what you had, uh, what you had been in prison for? Jail. Jail, sorry. A really nasty bar fight. A few of them, actually. I had had a bit of a problem in the past where that's how I would get out my anger. I've always been super shy of people in crowded spaces except when I drink. But I'm better now. Being in L.A. helped fix that. Jim takes a sip of his beer. It's 10 a.m. So that must have been a tough day then, right? Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, not what I was expecting. I mean, by the time we got to the place, what do they call that again? The, the place where they film everything? Uh, the location? Yeah, that's it. The location. By the time we got to the location, we had already hiked like a mile uphill with all this equipment. It was just crazy. It was like 6 p.m. on July 4th at the top of this tourist trap, and it was like no one there knew we were there to shoot a film. I mean, the people working the film knew, but no one around the observatory knew. I mean, I thought people would be like, Wow, a movie. Like we would be treated like stars or something. But it was a complete opposite. People hated us. They were cussing at us, telling us to get lost, stuff like that. And it was my job to clear out a space for us to film. I tried to leave at first, in fact, because I was like totally freaking out. But Stalin, being the good dude he is, just gave me his flask and made this great speech about how we were going to make history that day. Then they gave me these posts with the retractable straps, kind of like when you go to the airport or the movies, and I was responsible for putting those up in like a giant circle, kind of like some sort of crop circle in a bunch of people. But even with the alcohol, it was really awkward. 
I mean, I was basically telling picnickers to get up and move because there was a movie shooting. And pretty much as soon as I would clear a space, the rangers would be on us and we'd have to move to another location. Same thing each time. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. This spot is reserved for a movie. Y'all gonna have to get up and move. And we would film until the rangers got back and broke it up. I had been wandering the trails all day. Hikers kept coming up to me asking if I was okay. I kept telling them to leave me alone, that I was guest of honor on the movie. I fought in Korea, goddammit. Finding my way through Griffith Park was nothing. But, being the kind Angelinos they were, they would leave me with water and point me in the direction of the observatory. I even had to tell the park rangers a few times to go f*** themselves, because they would say they were taking me to the movie set. But in fact, they were taking me back down the hill. Each time, I would just turn back around and run off into the hot underbrush. Anyway... It was getting dark, and by this time, Korea or not, I was out of water and exhausted. So, I was clawing my way up this hot, loose dirt incline when suddenly I could hear a lot of voices and yelling ahead of me. So, I burst through the bushes onto this road. And there, in the middle of the road, was the RV. It was the RV they had purchased for the movie. And I just raised my hands to the sky, said, Thank you, Lord, and kissed the ground. And then all these people came up to me, checking if I was okay. Police officers, park rangers, civilians. I had to practically fight them off of me. Apparently, some bozo had parked the RV completely across the road and no one had the keys. Well... Guess what? I had a pair. So, I took out the keys and everyone cheered. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. Why did you have the keys to the RV? Why wouldn't I? It was my investment dollars that purchased it. It was registered to me. I could come and go as I pleased as guest of honor. Oh, okay. What kind of questions are these? I guess you've never worked in the movie business before, have you? No, I have not. So sorry for you. Anyhow, where was I? Oh, yes. 
So people were cheering and they started chanting, move the bus, move the bus, move the bus. It was an RV, those morons. So I got into the driver's seat, released the brake, and then the RV started to roll backwards. And I did what any human would do in such a situation. I panicked. I hit the gas and the RV launched backwards down the mountain and into the brush. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kaboom. Oh my gosh. It exploded. But amazingly, I was okay. So I jumped out of the RV and escaped into the bushes to go look for help. So we had stopped and started like, hmm, 10 times. And by this time, there was a mob of people just raging at us. They were throwing fruits, sandwiches. Every once in a while, a beer bottle would fly by. And we were using those aisle posts as kind of like poles with shields on the ends of them to fight back the crowd. And O was such a hero in that moment. Because no matter what was going on, he was just screaming, Action! Keep going! You're like making movie history! And it was majestic. Fireworks were going off all around the city. So cool. It was like a war zone. Constant pop-pop-pop-pops and booms going off. People screaming and yelling obscenities at us like we were fighting off a bunch of crazy zombies. And I was really starting to panic because people were breaching the perimeter. Some of them were breaking onto the set and starting to grab equipment, lights. Even some of them were grabbing people. And then the most beautiful thing happened. Someone yelled, fire, and everything stopped. All you could hear were the actors' lines. And I was just saying my lines under the July 4th fireworks. And more people started to yell fire. And it's like the sea of riders just switched to low tide or something and started pulling back. They all started running toward the parking lot. (laughs) And we were like super lucky even because this fire had broken out on the side of the mountain or hill or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, and there was all this beautiful smoke rising up in the background of my scene. (laughs) At that point, just about the whole crew deserted, booked it to the parking lot, and it was just me, Stalin, and his girlfriend finishing up the scene. Stalin pointing the camera, me pointing the mic, and his girlfriend just saying her lines. Were you scared of the fire? No, I mean, I had a pretty good buzz going on by that point. It was perfect timing, too, because the next step for me would have been another fight. Incredibly, the July 4th fire and subsequent evacuation of the observatory resulted in no injuries, physical ones at least. Many people were extremely upset at their evening having been ruined, and heavy fines were issued to Omicron, his cast, and crew. Undeterred, Omicron completed the film and, as reported earlier, toured it through numerous festivals, even securing several awards. No distribution has yet been secured. 
He did not return calls for this interview, his publicist responding that Omicron was busy on the set of his next film. When asked where the film was shooting, various places was the reply. Sarah left the business after she and Omicron broke up when it was discovered Omicron was not actually British. As for Jim, Omicron's cousin, he landed in jail again due to another bar fight, but says he intends to return to the movie business. Oliver, the elderly gentleman, continues to invest in Omicron's films, citing the sheer adventure as being worth the price of admission. The SEC is investigating the plight of the other investors, mostly dentists and the elderly.